Today's workshop is going to focus on spiritual discernment. The overall workshop is a two-parter. Uh, and it's on the seer anointing. And I think that's just why the Lord visited us with the... Uh, he laid the groundwork for, for seeing for each of us. So today's workshop will be on the discernment, dealing with the dimensions of man, the dimensions of the spirit realm and the heavenlies and the gift of discerning of spirits. So we'll focus on spiritual discernment, supernatural revelation received from the Holy Spirit through the endowment, operation, and manifestation of the gift of the discerning of spirits. There's an S on the end of that, so make sure you, whenever you describe that gift, you do use it with an S. There's another gift of the Holy Spirit of the nine gifts that has an S on the end. It's miracles, and then the healings, gift of healings. So this is the gift of discerning of spirits, meaning it's more than one spirit, and it will give us insight into the arena of discerning God's presence through the seer gift. Oh, I do. And I'm sorry, I meant to tell you guys about this. Thanks, honey. Okay, so... We already talked about the main areas we're covering today. And so those are, Zoom can see those on the screen. This afternoon, we'll come back and finish up talking about the discerning of spirits, giving examples and the purpose of the gift, as well as how to operate in the gift. So our first um, introduction is going to be on the Scripture reference, Philippians 1, verses 9 through 11. And I'm not for sure if I printed that out for you guys or not, but I do have it. I want to read it from the Amplified. And then verse 9, we want to zero in on it, and I'll share it from some other references or uh, versions. Philippians chapter 1, verse 9 through 11, from the Amplified. It says, For God is my witness, how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Now this is Paul, whose great love fills me. And this I pray that your love may abound more and more, displaying itself in greater depth, in real knowledge and insight, practical insight, so that you may learn to recognize and treasure what is excellent, identifying the best and distinguishing moral differences and that you may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, actually living lives that lead others away from sin. Verse 11, filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God so that his glory may be both revealed and recognized. Wow. So that's an awesome prayer that Paul prayed. Verse 9. Another version of that one out of the Passion that was amplified. The Passion on verse 9 reads, I continue to pray for your love to grow and increase beyond measure, bringing you into the rich revelation of spiritual insight in all things. So whenever you see the word all or always, um, you know, 
Only God could use those words. So just realize that they, he means what he's saying. He says all things. And then in, in King James Version, it reads, And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. See, we're, we're defining here already discernment. And then the New King James Version says, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. Discernment is a form of direct perception. And perceive comes from that word perception. It's the ability to sense something with the sense or the mind. Where knowledge is the impartation of a fact or information. So we're getting some information today, but God wants us also to receive direct perception. He wants you to go beyond knowledge and begin to perceive or receive the information in your spirit, man. Okay. Man is three part. We know he's three part being. Everything uh, that we talk about in this first next few slides is going to be in three parts. The number three, the number seven, the number 12, even the number 10, we see them throughout the Bible and they have meanings. Numbers have meanings. That's why God uses them. He wants you to zero in on what he's trying to say to you when you see these numbers in scripture. Three was considered the number of harmony, wisdom, and understanding. Wisdom and understanding is a part of discernment. It also refers to unity. When we think of the triune being, which is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three also means holy. Again, the triune being. It means growth, reproduction, and truth. I love that word, truth. As God, Jesus told um, who was it that uh, he wasn't the priest? Well, maybe it was the priest that was supposed to be. Uh, he told him that he was there for the truth when when uh, he was going to get, you know, sent to the cross. He says, "You're seeing the truth. I am the truth." Hallelujah. So man is a three part being created, a human being, and we were created. That's a key word too. That uh, you just weren't randomly placed here, put here. And it's so important that you were created, realize that each of us is different. Each of us has a different fingerprint. He knows us so well that he knows how many numbers, and I've lost out of here. <laughs> Number of hair, it's on our head. <laughs> we are that so important to God that, you know, my, it's just, when you start to think about when we talk defining discernment, and knowledge, the knowledge that you hear, that's the knowledge. And now he wants you to take it to perception. It's perceiving it in your spirit. It's like, how in the heck are you going to perceive something like that in your spirit? The only way is spiritually. And the Holy Spirit has to give you that understanding at that level. And that's where the word wisdom comes in. I've heard people say, oh, discernment is wisdom. Oh, yeah. It is. It can be. It's part of it. But it's really deeper than that. It's more broader than that. 
but it's a, it's a word and, and, and something that can be misused. And that's why the Lord is focusing in on it because it's important when you start to operate uh, in the anointing and the prophetic. So um, just as God is trying to be, and so are we, or so are you. We have, we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. The real you, the eternal part that lives forever and ever, whether it be in heaven or hell, or wherever else there might be, some outer outer hell. <laughs> there's levels of hell, as I'm sure there's levels in the heavenlies, in heaven. The real you, the eternal part of you, is spirit, just like our Heavenly Father is spirit. You have a soul. Your soul is your mind, will, and your emotions. Your soul is also where you, the seat of um, make where you make decisions. It's your personality. It's who makes you different than what you are. And when I start, when I, when I begin to teach about things like that, back here in my heart or my, I don't know, maybe it's my spiritual mind, I'm trying to receive and understand that spiritually as well. And that is so how awesome and awesome our God is. So we must deal with and die to our flesh daily, the sin part of us. And that's where it becomes difficult because we're, we're in the body and we're living in this, this atmosphere, but also we're to operate in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus at the right hand of the Father. So we die daily. Romans seven twenty three says, I see another law at work in the members of my body. This is Paul again. Waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. So the, what gets attacked and challenged is our, our bodies, the fleshly part of us, the sin nature that's going to be there as long as we're in this body, carrying it along. <laughs> we're going to have to be, we're going to be challenged. And what you're challenged with is your desires, your appetites, your attitudes. Those are the things that you have to fight to change. And that, and you do that by the renewing of your mind and reading the word and spending time with God in prayer and coming among the saints and so on and so forth. And we live in the body to navigate the earth realm. So we have to have a body. And the way we connect with the body is through our senses, the five senses that we have. So humans have five basic senses, touch, sight, hearing, smell, and taste. The sensing organs associated with each sense sends information to the brain to help us understand and perceive the world around us. Spirit of a man is the part that connects, communicates, or communes and relates to God because he's spirit. It deals with the supernatural realm, not the natural realm, the supernatural realm. And we always want to put our emotions in there. Try not to put your emotions in there because the supernatural realm and God, relating with God, requires faith. And faith is a whole other thing. It's a, it's a substance, but it's something that you don't see. You have to just know that it's there. It's believing. 
Okay. So the soul is where your personality is housed. It deals with the natural things of the world. That's the soul or the earth realm. Things we can see with our natural eyes. Our soul deals with those things. The body or the flesh is the part of you that must be put under. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. Lest that I, by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. And in Galatians 5, 16 through 26, he strongly states, this I say then to walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So one way to conquer our flesh is to be spiritually connected to God. For the flesh lusteth this against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And they are contrary to one another so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. In other words, if you're walking in the spirit, it's going to be in control and not your flesh or your soulish realm. It's not going to be in control. But you still have you still have a soul that you have to deal with. That's the part of us that we have to really uh, grow up. Our spirit is it has to grow as well, but our soul we have to control and keep it under. So verse 18 says, but if ye be led of the spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which which of these are, here's a few of them, adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, and lasciviousness. Lasciviousness. <laughs> L-A-S-C-I-B-I-O-U-S-N-E-S-S. Also idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, that's anger, strife, bringing in division, seditions, and heresies. There's more. Envyings, envying, murder. You can murder somebody with your mouth. Drunkenness, rebellings, and such the like, of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Amen. That's a that's a long list, a huge list. And then sometimes we think, oh, um, I'm not doing any of those things. But you better take another look at those items and maybe even look them up and find the definition. They can be very subtle, you know, very, very subtle. And a little leaven is, can, can tear up and destroy the whole lump. So in verse 22, Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the spirit. This is how we know someone is walking in the spirit. That's why the Bible tells us when we're judging other spirits, we're supposed to, or people, you know, you're not, it's not there. It's not the person, it's the spirit of the person is that you look at the fruit and they're walking in love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness. So they're short to get angry, you know, or react goodness, faith. They're walking in faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. 
And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. So they've taken that flesh. They used to always tell us when I was coming up, you take that flesh, who's, who, who's seating on your throne of your heart? Take that flesh and hang it up on a cross. Because that's what Jesus did for us. He died on the cross so that that could be conquered. So it can be conquered. If we live in the spirit, let us walk in the spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. So the key to seeing in the spirit and operating in the spirit and communion with God is prayer, fasting, and consecration. We must mortify the flesh. That means kill it. We must keep watch over our ear and eye gates. We must daily submit our spirit, soul, and body to God's control. Just a daily submission. So the heavenlies. Overall, I'll do an overview of the three dimensions. The three dimensions can also, I describe them as the three spirit rims too. But that's not to say that's all that exists. This is what I can, I can teach. This is what revelation I have at this point. So there's much, much more to learn. Three dimension of the heavenlies or the spirit rim are the, is the unseen world. World means cosmos. You heard that word before cosmos or world systems. Or how about the word or the phrase world order, new world order. What it is, is how we operate in it. That's what the, uh, the world is, the world system is. But we operate in it through our spirits and intimacy, open heavens. The spirit realm has always existed. So how we operate in the spirit realm is that it's through our spirits and it's through intimacy with God. And as we become more intimate with God in our relationship with him, that we, we don't want, when we say intimacy, that means knowing God and you're, you're in God. I know uh, Pastor Marshall used to say intimacy was into me see. So it was like, come into me and see, because God is who you really want to know. <laughs> and so it's not that other intimacy, which is the worldly de definition of intimacy, of being intimate with your mate. That's the, not the same as I'm describing, but it's parallels to the same, because the outcome is the same. So 1 Corinthians 2, uh, verses 9 through 16, that would be a scripture reference. So we are spirit, and solid food is for the mature, not controlled by impulses or the sinful capacity or nature, which is our flesh. Okay, solid food is for the mature. That means a mature person is not controlled by impulses, and they're not controlled by their sinful nature or their flesh. Because we are now spiritual beings, we must walk by faith and not by sight. I'll give you an example of the spirit realm. And because you can't see it, you can see it as God perceive as you perceive it. And it's going to take spiritual discernment to perceive it. Okay. 
And some people don't realize this, but when you become born again, if you're truly, truly, truly a born again Christian, you get a measure of the spirit in your spirit, man. And then the next level is being baptized in the spirit. And that takes you to another level with an experience from God. And that's kind of like to overflowing. Okay. So everybody should be able to have spiritual discernment. And the, about two slides down, we'll talk about natural discernment, spiritual discernment, and different, di differentiate those two from the gift of discernment. So an example of the spirit realm. If you take, uh, you go to the pond or you go to the ocean or wherever you might want to go and get a drop of water, a droplet. And you know, if you take that and put it on a, a slide, microscope slide. If you've done, anybody had biology, you put this, put the drop on there and then you put this, the piece of glass that goes on top of it and then you slide it under your microscope and you take a look and you see all of these things forming around which are alive, right? So you can't see it with your natural eye, but it's there. You know it's there. <laughs> I know it's there by my spirit, but I also know it because I experienced it because I saw it. So that's how we, uh, I won't use the word entertain, but experience and know and have knowledge of the spirit realm, okay? That's just at a minute level as well. So for this class, we talk about the three dimensions of the spirit as being equivalent to the three heavenlies. Okay. Okay, so the three heavens, you have first heaven, second heaven, and the third heaven. So let me explain each of those, but I think first off, I'm going to tell you about this dream, this dream that I had. And uh, I guess the reason why I do what I do, too, is because God's given me these things <laughs> and experiences and encounters. And, you know, you want to know what to do with them. They're not just for you to sit around and, and have them. <laughs> They're for you to share them with others. And uh, it increases their faith. And it, people are acknowledged by what you're experiencing. They say, oh, that happened to me too. So it's confirmation. But it's like the iron sharpening iron and the body building the body up, growing us up. And so, you know, because I, and I don't know if this is my question or, or his question <laughs> to me this morning when I was getting up for prayer to get ready to come. Is, um, what do you th why do you think that you are uh, what was how do you put it why do you think you're qualified to teach this area and, the, and the, he's only talked about one area which is the seer part okay because that's that's kind of new for me although I guess I was a seer from from all along you know I knew that he, you know he had called me a prophet I knew that had been confirmed I've done this been through the training but it's only been a few years ago he said seer and it just came out of nowhere i said okay seer but what he does that is because he wants your attention because he wants you to begin to explore that more i never really thought that that was the kind of prophet i was although early on when i started having these prophetic 
encounters I'd ask and he said well you know you are a prophet of like Ezekiel so I would I know I would have different experiences like Ezekiel which he saw really probably crazy stuff but you know you when you think about going back as your childhood and growing up you remember all the, I think in the prophetic word he said that you remember all the things that you experienced and that kind of qualifies you too but it basically acknowledges who you are and what he's put in you and so that was one of the things he says, the experiences that you have is what qualifies you to do what you do. God acknowledges it. Not so much man, it's God. He's always gonna be the final qualifier. It's not, it's not gonna be man. Man will acknowledge because they experience it or they see it or God may tell them something, you know? Because, you know, uh, I don't think man really can promote you that comes from God, but God tells who he is to promote um, because the gifting and the fruit will follow itself. Well, that was a funny trail. The dream, I had this one dream and it was, I thought I was in an elevator and it really was as after I found out, it was more like some type of chariot. It was a mobile, a means of getting from point A to point B. And so I was on this thing and I, re and I remember it just taking off out of nowhere. It's like, it just kind of invaded me and took me and I took off. <laughs> and it was crazy because it, it was going so, 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 so fast. It was almost like a blink of an eye fast. If I could explain it or describe it in the natural, what I was experiencing spiritually in the spirit. And it took off and it, I can remember it going vertical and then after so like a so like another blink, it changed its plane and went horizontal. And then another blink or two, it went up again, and it went vertical. And then another time, it did the same thing. It happened three times. And that the Lord has said, those are the heavenlies, the atmosphere, the heavenly atmosphere. Now when I got to the destination, the door opened. And I could see out, and I'm looking, you know, you're peering to see where you're at, what's going on, because almost like, you know, you're half asleep, you don't know where you are. And I could just see all this activity going on. It's like, wow, what is going on here? And it was like stations and people and, and angels and chariots and people getting off of more chariots. And it was like this loading place where people were going different places. They were being separated. I said, wow, okay, interesting. And I thought maybe I was going to get to go out, get out and go somewhere, but I didn't. And that was the end of it. So I wanted to share that because I'm going to talk a little bit about the atmosphere in the heavenlies and the three heavens. Okay. So planes cruise above the clouds. And the reason why they go above the clouds is because they can go real fast above the clouds. They travel, a plane travels 550 to 580 miles per hour. Okay, that's a fact. Now you're supposed to take that and discern it spiritually or try to. <laughs> I don't know if that's a blink of an eye or not. And they say what, something travels as fast as the speed of light, the time or something, I don't know what it is. Anyway, I did, that just kind of came to mind. 
So the higher airplanes climb, the thinner the air gets. So it's, think of it, a thickness, and then it gets thinner. And the more efficient they fly when they get up higher in thinner air because there's less resistance. So that's how they can go so fast. So a commercial aircraft will fly 300, no, 38,000 feet. So it's, it's 38,000 feet up in the air or seven miles to reach cruising altitude. We've all been on a plane. We know about that cruising altitude and how they got to get so high up before they can really go where they're going. It's interesting how they can make up time when they're way behind too. So they can go very, very, very fast. <laughs> and it puts them though, I think in a little bit more dangerous situation when they do. So it takes them about 10 minutes to reach uh, the cruising altitude. Um, and so that is, and when they're, when they're going up, ascending and descending, their speed goes down. Their speed for travel is only 150 miles only, 150 miles per hour. We know we drive about 60, we don't ever drive over 100 miles per hour. So planes fly much higher. If they go up higher, they can, and it's altitude, but it puts, it puts them in a safety issue. But to compare those, the height of the 38,000 feet or seven miles, the largest or tallest mountain in the world is Mount Everest. It's 25,000 feet tall. The Rockies is about 14,000 feet and the Smoky Mountains is just 5,000 feet. So talking about those heavenlies and the atmosphere and the resistance, how about turbulence? Turbulence, I think they're trying to still, no, they're usually at a cruising altitude and sometimes they get that turbulence too. But just think what's out there spiritually versus in the natural. Remember Gabriel, took, it took him 21 days to get to Daniel for his prayer to be answered. So if you're going up and you're having all this resistance, when you come down, you can also have the same resistance. And the resistance gets stronger in that second heavenlies. Uh-huh. You, you, you see what I'm saying? Or you have a question? Yes. 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 Yep. Yep. The answer was delayed because the prince of the kingdom of Persia had withstood Gabriel for exactly 21 days. Interesting. The number 21, guys. People always want to fast for 21 days. Such ability to delay Daniel's answers gives great evidence of the power of the prince of the kingdom of Persia. So that's a powerful area there because that's his domain. Somewhere on his flight from heaven, where God's abode is, third heaven, Gabriel invaded the rim of the high places referred to in Ephesians 6, verse 12, which is populated by the wicked spirits. Michael came to relieve Gabriel, remember, to help him. 
in his opposition to the Prince of Persia. Wicked spirits. We're going to talk about the heavenlies, but the second heavenly is where they are. Yeah, it should be in your your handout. We're on. Uh, we're going to talk about each of the the three heavenlies or the three dimensions of heaven. Which remember, I said for this class, when we talk about each of those, we're talking about the heavenlies come and, and calling it the realm, a spirit realm, because there's always a mirror to the spiritual. This is just the way the Holy Spirit's given to me to teach. Not saying I'm completely correct. So the first heaven is our atmosphere. It's like when, you know, you look out and see this, the trees. It's what we see. It's, the, it's what we see by our eyes. It's, it's temporal. It's not going to be like this forever. It's going to change. Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens, and the earth. The first heaven is the firmament. This heaven is the closest to earth where the birds and the clouds are. I was thinking the other day about birds. You know how they, they say the birds are there or where they're living at, but they always have to come to earth to eat. They're coming down here to get their food. It's kind of interesting. The plural form of heavens with the S on the end is in Genesis 1 quite often is about the stars or the planets. So a lot of times when you hear them talk about heavens, there's also other planets or, or galaxies that are so mind-boggling that are out there. Just realize that it's just not our solar system that we're in. There's all types of galaxies out, out in the universe. Genesis chapter 1, verse 8 says, And God called the firmament heaven... And the heaven, I mean the um, evening and the morning were the second day. So the Bible also refers to the heaven as sky. So it's considered what we call sky. First heavens. The second heavens is actually in the clouds or above the clouds. Or the clouds. It's above the clouds because we see heaven and we see clouds too. But this is like beyond the clouds. It's the second heavens. It's the space where the sun and the moon are and the stars. We also see the planets from time to time. It's what we call outer space. It's the second heavens. Deuteronomy 4, chapter 4, verse 19. It says, and when you look up to the sky and see the sun, the moon, and the stars, all the heavenly array, do not be enticed into bowing down to them and worshiping things the Lord your God has apportioned to all the nations under heaven. So it's something we're not supposed to bow down to, but there are there are religions that do. Okay? That is their God. The moon or the stars or heaven. I mean the sun. Third heavens is called heaven of heavens. It's way above the clouds or universe. It's where God lives. It's the unseen world. You can't see it. It's an eternal realm. The third heaven, also called the throne of God. We've also said, well, that's God's throne. It's the third heavens. It's where the angels are. And the angels are the gatekeepers for the third heavens. And so remember, I was in the um, chariot that went up. and went to three levels, just like it. there are three heavenlies. 
Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse two says it is necessary to boast though nothing is gained by it, but I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. This is Paul with his out of body description. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body, I do not know or out the body. I do not know only God knows such a man was caught up to the third heaven. And I know that such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, only God knows, was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which man is not permitted to speak. Words too sacred to tell. Caught up in verse two is frequently translated as snatched. He said he was snatched up or taken away. If you had any out-of-body experiences, that's the way it feels. You had no control over it. Yeah, God just comes and takes you. And that should be the way that any spiritual encounter should happen. It should, it's nothing to be afraid of, but it's nothing that you go for or, or seek for. It's just like a suddenly, and God comes. So, so that word snatched, also is the meaning of the word rapture. So when we talk about the rapture, that's what's going to happen. It's going to look like Jesus just snatched us out of our body, like a thief of an, in the night, a blinking or twinkling of the eye. So here's an example for you of the unseen third heavens. So in a 3D movie, You'd have to have on 3D glasses to see some of the 3D effects. So what we see right now is, is two-dimensional. I see you and you're just here and that's all I can see. But there is a third dimension to you, but I don't see that third dimension. That's the part like is your weight, something that you can't really see in an individual. So a three-dimensional object is solid and it can be measured in three different directions, height, length, usually width, or for us, it'd be more like a weight. Um, the, the, this dimension is seen. So God is spirit and he is in heaven. Since God is spirit, they who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. That's John 4, 24. So if we were to look at a, a 3D movie and we put on these glasses, then we're gonna see and we're going to see like the third dimension, which is that that depth or that width or that weight of something. I don't know if anybody's ever been to one of those movies. I haven't really. I haven't. <laughs> but I, mean, I hear that it's almost like things on the screen jump out at you as if you're in it. You're actually there. So that must be a very interesting experience. There are three levels then of discernment. Remember, we're going to talk about natural discernment, spiritual discernment, and the gift of discerning of spirits. Check our time. Okay, we're good. Natural discernment. It means to perceive by sight or by some other sense or by the intellect. Remember, you can also use any of your senses to perceive what's going on around you. You sense something's wrong as, as, uh, or something's right and someone's happy. You can actually sense it, not necessarily see it. You can feel it. You recognize it. You can distinguish it. 
But so, a lot of times in, with the natural, it's hard to distinguish it with just your sight and the other senses. And that's why the spiritual part comes in so that you can see even clearer. There are four, there are five senses other than just four senses other than sight. But anyway, there's five total. And that's your eyes, which is your sight, your ears, which is your hearing, mouth for taste, nose for smell, skin for touch, to detect having or showing good judgment this discernment is based on natural reasoning. So it's more of a, a judgment, good judgment. Scripture references 1 Thessalonians 5, 21 through 22. Let's see if I wrote that one down. So this is subjective and it's based on and influenced by personal feelings, taste, and opinions. So you can grow in that natural discernment, just like you can grow in your other discernments. Then you have the spiritual discernment, the ability to distinguish between truth and deception. So what is right and what is wrong? Spiritual discernment is supernatural revelation from the Holy Spirit. It is supernaturally revealed. We all have a measure of Holy Spirit inside of us. Therefore, we all can discern good from evil. That's if, uh, Hebrews 5, 13 through 14 says, for everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat and solid food belongs to them that are of full age or who are mature because of practice, who have their senses trained, exercised in both discerning good and evil. So that's just, that's the practice in exercising of your senses. We use our senses to discern good and evil. We chew on solid spiritual food, which is the word, and then we become mature. We must train our senses to discern. It is not an automatic activity. We discern both good and evil, not good or evil, or good versus evil. It's both. It's not one or the other. There are several word, words that are used for discerning or discernment. We already talked about wisdom being a word that people use for discernment as a description of it or a synonym. Understanding is also discernment. So you understand what's happening. Discretion, prudence, testing, and sense. Sometimes people say, I just sense something. I just know something. And then you have the, um, the third level of discernment is the gift of discerning the spirits, which is in 1 Corinthians 12, 10. This is a supernatural insight and revelation from Holy Spirit, very similar to spiritual discernment, but this is actually a gift in operation. And typically with the gifts, they um, the Holy Spirit releases the gift as he wills, but if you operate in that gift, it's a gift that you can say God has given you. So everybody doesn't really have the gift of discerning the spirits, but everybody has the first two, natural discernment and spiritual discernment, where the gift of dirt, any gift out of the first Corinthians 12 is given to you as Holy Spirit wills based on a lot of things. We talked about your calling, your purpose, and so on and so forth. So 
Supernatural discernment is sometimes referred to as revelation knowledge. So that just that term means what is revealed to you is knowledge revealed directly from God about a certain situation. There's no way you would have known it at all or figured it out with your natural discernment or even your spiritual discernment. It's at a higher level. At this level, this particular revelatory gift, discerning the spirits, allows you to discern what type of spirit is behind operation of any activity that's going on. Included in that, he can remove the veil of your eye and actually show you the spirit. Has anybody had that happen? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah me too. I've had it happen a couple times, especially with dem demons. I don't want to see that, God. <laughs> he just shows you this demon. It's like, okay, what do you want me to do with it? <laughs> I, I just kind of pick up my little back and turn around like I didn't see it. <laughs> That's not mine to do anything with. Maybe pray about it later. <laughs> <laughs> but that's really a, they call those kind of like open visions because they're so real it's just as real as you sitting right there um, the angelic rim for me is the perception for me to see angels is more um, more of my other senses you know your uh, your feel you can, you know, you can sense their presence or your smell. Um, and then in your spiritual, with your spiritual eyes, because your spiritual eyes, is, it's interesting because your spiritual eyes is not as keen and clear in the, as the natural eyes are because we're in the natural. But in the, with your spiritual eyes, it's more of a, a, a foggy glow, a haze, a halo, um, there's a, there's a couple other words that describe that. So you can say, see the image or the shape of something? Yeah. A silhouette. That's the word. Yeah, you see a silhouette. So um, it's it's a little different because that the magnitude of that glory is, I think, also to protect us as well. There's a lot of protection that's in, included or involved in that. And then actually seeing someone, an, an individual person's spirit, Again, supernaturally, God would have to show that to me. The only spirit I've seen is my own. <laughs> you know, when I was taken to heaven and saw my, my spirit, and God showed me, had, he had me there doing something. Or he was doing something for me or with me. Um, but So it's not common to have people describe that they see somebody's spirit. But God can tell you things. And that's how the gift of discerning of spirits can also operate. You just... He releases the knowledge to you because it's revealing something to you. It works frequently with uh, the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom. First Corinthians 12, 10 says it's the ability to distinguish sound godly doctrine from the deceptive doctrine of man made religions or cults. And that's the amplified version of first Corinthians 12, 10. First Timothy 4, 1 says, the spirit explicitly says that in the latter times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. We are to be forewarned, to be forewarned is to be forearmed. Satan's number one weapon is deception. We must not be ignorant of the devil's schemes. We must be quick of scent 
meaning sniffing out. Quick of scent means to sniff out, like a sheepdog sniffs out and smell the evil. Isaiah 11.3 in the King James Version declares that the spirit of the Lord would make him of quick understanding. Quick understanding there also means quick descent or quick scent, smell. Um, in the commentary, Benson's commentary for uh, 11.3, it says, uh, it shall make him of quick understanding. And the Hebrew word shall make him quick it means a smell or perception or of quick discernment. And so you would get that out of Isaiah chapter 11, verse 3, if you wanted to go back and look over that. This is like unto the nose of a sheepdog, sharper than that of a human. Just like, the, you know, the eagle's eyes are so sharp, the sheepdog's nose is the same. He's able to detect a wolf in sheep's clothing. We can walk in discernment that is not based in natural reason, but in spiritual discernment. The true from the false and the imitation from the, um, the imitation from the authentic. Okay. We're gonna move on. Talk about spiritual senses here. Sharpening your spiritual senses. I always read that and said, how do we sharpen? I always ask, how do we do that, Lord? How do we sharpen our spiritual senses? Well, here's how you do it. God uses our natural senses just as much as he uses our spiritual senses. So we're, we are present our entire being unto God, which to present our entire being unto God. In Romans 12, verse 1 through 2, that's our act of worship. So that's everything. That's even our, our natural body, which includes our eyes and our ears and our mouths. We're to submit them unto God, meaning they have to be holy. We have to consecrate ourselves. Prophets are said to be the eyes of the body, the eyes of Christ, the the body of Christ. But a seer goes deeper into revelation because they are said to be the head. And in the head, they're using all five senses to connect to the world, to communicate with God. They use all five senses to connect and communicate in the spirit realm. So we must surrender our senses to Holy Spirit. Okay. You have what? You have more than one set of eyes. You don't have just your natural eyes. You got your spiritual eyes. So your spirit is actually who you truly, truly are. Sight is one of our primary senses. The Bible says in Ephesians 1, chapter 18 through 19. Ephesians 1, 18 through 19. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what the hope of his calling is and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the same. And what is the surpassing, surpassing, um, sorry, greatness of his power toward us who believe. You have eyes that are both spiritual and natural. We see in many ways 
Some of the ways are through our dreams, visions, similitudes of God, trances, etc. Spiritual seeing is in the spirit. You will see inside yourself unless the veil be removed. You will not see with natural eyes the things that are in the spirit realm. So when we talk about seeing spiritually, it's you see it, but you and and you see it, you see naturally, but your spirit, you see it more in your in your head. That makes sense. Has anybody seen in the spirit where God showed him something? Oh, yeah. yeah. And you didn't see it. You knew you knew you saw it, but it wasn't here like this tablet, but it was in the spirit. Because he allowed you to see that. Something, it's nothing that you made happen. He showed you something that he wanted you to see for whatever reason. Maybe you were praying and you saw somebody, a person, you saw their face. Maybe you saw a name and the name came up you know, or even spoke it. So it, it's a perception. Okay. Uh, before it happens. Yeah, you send something. Mm-hmm. One towers in on my house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Something cool. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And you just saw it coming. Yeah. 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 Well, it was there. The spirit rim is more real than the natural rim. It was created first. It's where God was. So that it's there. And remember. This natural area here, this heavenly is, is um, and the second heavens is where demonic forces are. You know, Satan is the ruler of the world right now because we gave him that right through Adam. But those of us who believe, we know that we are God's children and we operate in God's kingdom. So rather that was something that was demonic or divine that's where this gift comes in at and then god will tell you what needs to happen regarding that that experience um just it just you know has more to do with it is a lot like i said he showed me i know the one the second time there was one time i saw this this demon that was on a person's back and I saw it there. I think he was just revealing to me that that was what preventing that person from, uh, they really wanted to dance and get involved in dance ministry and everything. And we would always be praying and they were always in those constant pain and on and on. And we were just praying as a group. And he showed me that. And I uh, guess too, and I, what I did is I prayed, but I wasn't supposed to do anything else than that. Sometimes it's there because you speak to that. Or if you're doing, you know, demonic deliverance, Maybe you're supposed to deal with it directly, which that's what was not what we were doing. Um, because that could have exposed her whole spine and caused a lot of whole other issues. If I would have thought, oh, okay, I'm just going to take that and snatch it off. No, <laughs> it wasn't. Uh-huh. I don't know. All I was supposed to do was pray. At that time, all we were doing was praying. And so as I saw it, I knew that I wasn't to touch it. The Holy Spirit just said, 
this is it, you know, and then I prayed. Yeah, so it was, he was showing me, because I was asking the question. I want to know why she was having all this pain. Um, so he will give you directions, and it depends on the setting. I mean, if, like I said, if you're ministering and you're, you're, help, you're, you know, you're delivering someone, if it's you to, supposed to take care of that demonic force, and you will have the power, the anointing, authority to do so, and God will tell you what to do. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. God will show you things that He wants you to deal with. If it's not for you to deal with, then He tell you what to do and what not to do. And then the the other time I saw one, you know, these are just ones that I know that are just huge and he removed the veil all the way altogether. It was just one that I was I was supposed to know that their presence was there and pray and, and sanctify my home and oil, anoint the oil, whatever. So because she'll let you know when an attack is coming as well. So that was on scene. Trying to catch up here on the uh Zoom. And then you have hearing. It's not hearing, you're hearing, you can, see, you can hear like many rushing waters. It's another way that we sense things. Um, John the Beloved's disciple of Jesus was exi exiled on the Isle of Patmos. And when he, in worship, he saw the Lord and declared in Revelations 1.15, his feet were like burnished bronze when it has been uh, made to glow in a furnace. So that's a visual. I love all the visuals. <laughs> and then his voice was like the sound of many waters. So it's, it's, this is the voice. The voice of the Lord can take many different sounds. So you don't want to limit it. And I think sometimes like people say, oh, I heard the audible voice. Well, you know, sometimes you, you can. It's very rare. But I'm sure, you know, this description of the, the waters and the wind can be ways that it may that God's voice may sound. Usually, when I hear it as more of an audible, He's just calling my name. <laughs> it's like to wake me up or trying to get my attention, and uh, or I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm out of position. I should have been up praying. I'm sleeping. <laughs> He'll wake me up, call me. It almost sounds like my daddy. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the other thing with hearing, I was thinking there was one night I was at you know going trying to get to bed and. And at the end of my day and everything, sometimes I'll do prayer and uh, reading. But I remember hearing uh, uh, hearing this music coming, this beautiful music coming from somewhere. And I knew it was my neighbors. And I said, it sounds so clear and, and so near to me. And I looked around, looked around. And I even looked out the window and see thing. And then I got back in bed and I laid there and it happened again. And it was, I found out it wasn't coming from anywhere else, but right inside my spirit, man, it was coming up. So it was like angels, angelic singing, heavenly music or worship music. It was just awesome. So these are type encounters that you can, you have. And God, you, it just happens. You don't be looking for it to happen. And he just wants us to really know him. He's wooing us to know him more, more about him. But that is a way of, 
of perception of perceiving. And, and another one, and I have, I think we'll talk about the smell, was I smelled the fragrance um, the other day, but that happens to people too. So uh, there are countless ways that God speaks to us. We may cover some others, but it's real specific um, information that is not a part of uh, today's class. Uh, he speaks to you from deep inside into your heart. You know, your heart can also be, be described here as your heart as your ears, where you can listen, you can hear. You know, one of his quotes, one of Jesus' quotes, he says, he that has an ear to hear, let him hear what the spirit is saying. So the ear is the spirit in your spirit, man. Although you hear the word heart as well described as your spirit. And then feeling. You can have a, uh, a feeling in your heart. So from the heart flows the issues of life. Good timing. The rim of touch or feelings is one of the most important senses. Touch your feeling. Proverbs 4.23 teaches and warns us, watch over your heart with all diligence. From out of it flow the springs of life. That's Proverbs 4, verse 24. You can experience the emotions of God. You can discern the inner mo motivations of a heart of a man or a woman. Their motivations, what their intent is. You can feel the oppression over certain geographical regions. Anybody ever felt that going area and just just hit you? It still has to be supernaturally released, though. I was just the one that came back to memory for me was when I was in um, I uh, was uh, doing a training. I was in was in Vegas or was it Vegas? No, it was Louisiana, New Orleans, and it was during uh, uh, Halloween. It actually was on a, on October thirty first. And the oppression over that city during on that day that I'm there, but at a training, I'm out on the beach and it just hit me. I went into travail and intercession for like 10 minutes while I was there. So you can really uh, pick up on that. When, when that comes up on you, this is the feel part, example of the feeling. It's a, you get, you're getting the heart of God and he's putting that burden on you. So you're feeling God's burden in your heart. And he's calling you to intercede. One thing about intercession and about the prophetic. All prophets are intercessors. Okay. All intercessors are not prophets. All seers are prophets. And not all prophets are seers. It's just another operation, flow, function, assignment. So I'll say that again. <laughs> um, I'm thinking about the filler and all that stuff because that all comes in with intercession. All prophets are intercessors. All intercessors are not prophets. 
These are misconceptions. That's why Holy Spirit's highlighting them right now. So all prophets are intercessors. All intercessors are not prophets. All seers are prophets, but not all prophets are seers. The feeler gift operates deeply and strongly in the intercessor. It is where God's burden comes, becomes your burden. God's burden becomes your burden. It is in the secret place where we are aware that we are one with him. Um, I can remember another example that I need to share regarding this. Uh, and this was when I, uh, I think it was just, I was in a concert, a season of consecration. So I had been praying and fasting as well, but I was visited by the Lord and it was more of him impregnating me. I got pregnant in the spirit. And I just knew that when it happened, I think I shared this with you, Gwyneth, where um, it just felt like the holy, something inside me twisted and, and turned. Sounds like it's like, oh, she was in pain or having agony or it wasn't comfortable, but it was really awesome. And I knew it was a spiritual encounter. And it was like I was in another, <laughs> my spirit was being taken and I don't know, just changed and rearranged. But there was like something was imparted as well. I could tell I had an impartation as well. That's why I call it being impregnated. Uh, it was beautiful. But anyway, that can, those kind of things can happen and they're spiritual. What you, do, what you do with them is you yield. And then you pray it through. And then you can ask the Lord what it was, but many times you don't get information and, and the full answer for days, for months, for years. But what happened? It's amazing because everything in the spirit is eternal. It's eternity. It's you got the beginning and the end all there at the same time. It's eternal. There's no time in the spirit. Right? Awesome. It's one of those aha moments again where you, you're getting this knowledge, but then you, God wants us to remember that he wants us to understand it in our spirit, man. Take it to another level. And, you know, as again, those are things that you yield to because it's a personal, holy time with you and the Lord. And that experience probably lasts 30, 45 minutes, who knows, an hour. I just remember falling asleep like a baby and I slept like a baby. <laughs> Best sleep I could ever gotten. Taste. Number four, tasting, smelling, and other leadings. So all five of our senses can be surrendered to the Holy Spirit and should be. And they come under the anointing of God to discern good, both good and evil. This includes the senses of taste and smell as well. So you have... Um, ever tasted something some people say oh I have a bad taste in my mouth about something <laughs> and then smelling the sense of smell Psalm 34 8 says taste and see that the Lord is good 34 8 <laughs> sometimes the word is like honey you cannot get enough of it 
It is so satisfying. I'm glad I have more of those experiences than I have the bad taste. <laughs> I have the good taste. And then um, not so many days ago, I smelled cinnamon in my kitchen. And I just you would think that, oh, you know, it's in your kitchen. You got some good smelling bread going on over here, or, you know. But I did have some roses on the table, but they were over on the dining room table. They were nowhere near where I was smelling that scent. And I'm just looking for it, trying to find it. <laughs> and it wasn't there. And I said, oh, goodness, I smell good. And then I didn't really think much about it the first time. But the very next day, in the same area, it happened a second time. And I said, oh, I get it. It's something from heaven. <laughs> I said, it smells like frankincense. It's like, oh, I really know what frankincense is. <laughs> but it was, it was amazing. It was just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful aroma. But, you know, I felt it was like the holy angels in there in my, in my presence. Just kind of reminded me that they're around. And then you have the, the fifth one is what we call a knowing sense. I mean, the sixth one, they say this is a sixth sense. So we have seeing, hearing, feeling, touch, and smell. So this would be six, and it's a knowing sense. You just know, and you know her. Some people are like that. They just know. How do you know that? You'd be asking them questions. How in the heck did you know that? I just know. I just, I don't know. I know. <laughs> it's something supernatural or, or different about them. You just have a knowing. I think James Gall is the one that kind of brought that out as something he has done. You do not know how you know, but you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. I knew when we, um, Philip and I were in this, we were in the parking lot and we had this angels unaware. I just knew that was an angel. At the time I didn't, but after he walked away, I knew. I just knew that I knew. And it wasn't like I had this, you know, the Lord say it, you know, or, or see it. It was like a, it was like another part of me that just knew. So that's what we mean by the sixth sense of a knowing, a knowing spiritually. Okay, wisdom keys. Stay, you have to stay grounded in the word. These are keys for uh, walking in discernment. Grounded, you always want to be grounded in the word in order to be more effective in receiving and discerning any kind of revelation because it's always going to parallel or line up with the gospel. It's going to always, with that word truth, it's going to line up with truth. So if we present our senses to evil, they become a servant or slave to evil. That's in Romans 6, 13. And I'll give you some other verses. So this is all in chapter 6 of Romans. Verse 13, verse 16. And verse 19, verse 13, 16, 19, Romans 6. If we present our senses to righteousness, then they become a servant slave to righteousness. That's a good thing, right? Okay. So before we take a couple minute break, I want to say this prayer here. And if you guys would close your eyes and oh, oof, meditate on the Lord and receive, receive, receive. Oh, God, thank you. We worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. Dear Lord, we submit our senses to you for your divine purposes. 
cleanse our ears and our eye gates with the blood of Jesus. Reveal to us any areas of hindrance or blockage to a particular sense. Help us to be aware of an area where evil has or can creep in and cause Holy Spirit not to flow through us freely. We pray Isaiah 11, 3. Make us a quick understanding in the fear of the Lord and help us to not judge after the sight of our eyes, neither reprove nor make decisions by what our ears hear. Hallelujah. Let's receive that. And we ask for healing, deliverance, and restoration. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for hearing and answering our prayers. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, we're going to take like a five, ten minute break. I'm going to stop sharing my screen.